This is the Jason Kavnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. Hello, and welcome to the Jason Cabinets Experience. I'm your host, Jason Cabinets. The Jason Cabinets Experience is brought to you by Cabinets HR. At Cabinets HR, we deliver HR companies with 49 or fewer people with our HR platform while providing you access to a dedicated HR business partner. Our guest today is Michelle Mail. Michelle, are you ready to be great today? I am. Michelle is a founder of, how do you say the name of Exi. Of, of Exi, a medical fitness company committed to delivering better and different ways to help those with injuries, health conditions, and disabilities conveniently, conveniently connect high-quality exercise to their lives at home, work, and on the go. Prior to starting Exi, Michelle was a co-founder of Bills Builders, a public relations agency focused on early-stage venture skill startups, where she worked closely with founders to develop and execute unique marketing and communication strategies to position these companies as leaders in the fields of e-commerce, software, hardware, fitness, lifestyle, venture capital, and other industries. Personally, Michelle focuses on living an active lifestyle, the husband of nearly 25 years, her teenage son, and two German Shepherd dogs. Michelle, thanks for being here, too. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, of course. So, Michelle, first, are you, are you still involved with the American Cancer Society as on the board of directors? You know, I'm no longer on the board because I just got a little bit too busy, but I am involved and then also involved locally with the American Heart Association. Can, can you talk more about your role with the American Cancer Society? What you've done for the past? What you doing there now for them? Yeah, sure. So just, you know, cancer has touched my life and I think it's pretty much touched everybody's life at this point, you know, and just wanting to be involved. So I, I joined the board and actively involved in um, trying to help on the marketing front. You know, marketing is my background. It's kind of what I'm I'm good at, if you will. And so really getting just like, what kind of programs can they do? Um, how can we fundraise? How can we raise more money? How can we get closer to a cure, right? And I mean, there's just so many amazing things that the American Cancer Society does. So just trying to support in any way that I can here locally, you know, with other people who are extremely passionate about this. You know, there's some people in the, you know, who they've had cancer themselves and so they join. And then there's other people just, you know, cancer has touched them in some way. Their father, their mother, their sister, you know, aunt, uncle, um, you know. So I had a, a dear friend of mine whose mom died of breast cancer and um, and young, you know, really young. And so that's why I joined. Um, yeah. So I, I just there's just only so much I can do, you know. So I do. Um, and now I'm uh, there's like a woman's organization here. Um, where we get together and now we talk, we're in, on the American Heart Association and, you know, ed, doing a lot of education on that front. So I'm kind of, I dabble, I'm still in the American Cancer Society and I'll still do my walks, but um, I'm trying to spend a little bit more time on the Heart Association too. For the walks you're talking about, I think they do once a year, where like, I can't really call it like the cancer relay yeah, or something like that. Yeah, relay for life. Relay for life. Yeah, yeah relay, relay for, for life. life yeah. Um, can you talk about the points of giving back to your community and what, and what you, you want to, like why it's important for you to do that? You know, um, a lot of times I, I kind of spend, well, there's multiple things. There's giving back to your community with your, your own kids, right? Whether it's their schools, their baseball teams, sponsoring their baseball teams, you know, sponsoring Little League, whatever you can do, you know, to help sponsor other kids who can't afford maybe to play a sport. So there, there's that front. And then on the startup front, I mean, I've been doing, I've been working with startups for a long time. And so I try to make myself available as a mentor, you know, um, 
like even my like this lady who I've been buying coffee from for years, like she's my barista every day. I pull in, I get a coffee and she's been going through school and, um, you know, she just graduated and helping her find a job. You know, so anything that I can do to kind of help people, especially on this entrepreneurial journey, it's really tough. I mean, it's hard. It's no joke. You know, right? It's a lonely adventure sometimes. And so just being like a soundboard or having cocktails or, you know, I've organizing paddleboards with a bunch of other women who are entrepreneurs where we can, you know, put some wine on a paddleboard and kind of chit chat about business while we're out and about. So I just is, is it amazing how many times like you go to a Starbucks or whatever case be like, man, I want to hire that person, right? Because the oh, customer yeah. is so great. You're honestly, like, what, what are you doing? Like, you know, I, I, I honestly, like if you watch a barista, I mean, they are the they are the best at multitasking, you know? So so I do, I absolutely watch what they do. And then sometimes if you're in a line, like it hasn't been that way too much lately, right? But you're in a line like inside a Starbucks, you know, and there's a couple things I say, what is the barista doing? How good are they, right? And then talking to them, getting to know them if you're there all the time. But I also like the younger people who are in line, you know, and they're multitasking, they're on social media, they're sharing this, they're sharing that. And I'm like, oh man, I could hire you just to help me with content marketing, right? Like, come do some videos for me. I mean, there's, yeah, they're, they they are so talented and sometimes they don't even know that it is a, a marketable skill. They don't because everyone else is doing it too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, but they are. Even like my son, I'm like, hey, come over here. Teach me how to do this. I don't know how to do this, so, you know, and you know, it's kind of fun. So let's talk about something different or fast. Let's talk about the current weather in Seattle. Oh, it is God. like freaking, like, it's like, I think it's like April 13th, April 14th, it's like yeah. and it's snowing right now. Like I drove from Tacoma to here, snow the whole way, half the car. Oh, highway has snow. Yeah, like I've been twelve years. I never remember snowing here in Seattle in April. The, uh, you know what? You know what I called it yesterday. I was on the phone with somebody, and I said the weather here right now is like like a woman going through menopause. <laughs> There's the only other way to describe it. It's like one minute it's hot, the next minute it's cold. You're like changing clothes. I mean, it's insane. I was like, I was on a walk, and my I was on a ma- kind of a hillside with my dog, and it's hailing on me, and I'm looking out, and there's it's sunny. And then it's south of me, it's raining. And I was just like, this is insane. I mean, it's, and my sister, I called my sister and she's like, what are you doing on a walk? It's like pouring down (laughs) rain here. And she lives in Ording. And I mean, they were having like major storms and I was on a walk, you know, it was was kind of Yeah, this is where this is insane right now. It really is. So back to the the, the nonprofit stuff you do for American Cancer, American Heart. So a lot of people want to do good things, right? Mm -hmm. But of course, there's like literally thousands of nonprofits out there. Some good, not so good. Yeah. How does how does your advice to someone like do, 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 donate their time or money to a nonprofit that can take advantage of them? That makes sense, mm-hmm. sense, sense right? Because a lot of nonprofits are out there for themselves and you know don't take care of the customers, right? Yeah, you know it, it's interesting that you asked that question. A friend of mine was like, "Do you, if you have like, is it better to donate your time to a cause or donate money to a cause?" And sometimes I think like in the startup world, maybe somebody join you know starts a, a company. And, um, and the next thing you know, you're not making any money and you're trying to like, you know, pay your bills and, you know, and for a really good cause. And it's like, Hey, could, could you have like actually made a bigger impact on that cause by keeping your day job, right. And writing checks to that nonprofit. So it goes back to like, in terms of your passion, why you start the company. I mean, for me, it's, I usually, it's like word of mouth. If I see a friend, you know, who, I mean, there's the big ones like American Cancer Society, American Heart Association, but there's other small ones too that I think are really, you know, um, there's this woman online who I've connected with and she's, uh, she has cerebral palsy and she has started a foundation for people who with cerebral palsy and she exercises a lot. She does, she's amazing. You know, so I feel like if I had like a one-on-one connection 
with somebody that I trust, you know, then I'm all in, you know, and what I can do to help or support. So next, you mentioned earlier about, you know, how you, you know, you want to like, young people do stuff for you, like the, all the tech stuff, content mm-hmm. marketing. So I think you're not giving yourself credit because I saw that you, you did an article <laughs> you're on, on Discord. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not a, like a new, new platform. It's, yeah. like, it's not that, you know, most people don't know, right? I talk talk, talk yeah. about how you got on Discord and your experience with Discord. Oh, I can geek out with you on this one a little yes, bit. Yes, definitely, definitely geek you out. You know, so what's funny, I was on a, I am a huge fan of how I built this, right? Oh, yeah. I listened a, to it uh, for NPR. That's a great podcast. I, it is, I feel like it's my therapy, okay? So I go on a walk every day with my dogs and I listen to how I built this. And um, the founder of Discord was on there. And I, I was just listening, like, in terms of what he's talking about, how he's getting users to engage and connect. And and I actually would love to start a Discord community. It's just like, okay, can I, man, do I have time? Can I do that? You know, but other people, it's, it's, it's way more of an engagement platform than I think anything else. More than LinkedIn, more than Facebook. They're not trying to sell me a bunch of stupid ads. You know, and people are super passionate and, um, you know, and it, it's an interesting audience and how I, so I was on this walk and I was like, wow, I actually think I could maybe create a discord community for, you know, people who have struggles with medical fitness and, you know, for our customers and even bigger than just our customers, just medical fitness challenges as a whole, which covers so much area. So I heard about discord through that and kind of my, I'm noodling on that a little bit. And then a friend of mine, he's actually here local. He is in the process of building a, I will call a transformative way of, let's say, connecting what I will say, the internet of value, um, whether it is it's coins, you know, whether it's crypto, whether it's documents, lawyer documents, you, in the metaverse and, and all of it together with NFTs, metaverse, all this stuff. And what he's doing is completely fascinating to me. So I joined Discord as part of his, his the community that they're building, and it's called Verus. And you can Verus Coin. It's a crypto coin, but it's the the protocol that Verus is building for what I, the metaverse, if you will. I to me, what they're doing will it will eventually be you know it's like the internet. Who built it? Who's building it? Nobody really knows. You know, it's kind of like an open source community, if you will, you know, targeted on on building the next foundation of what's going to happen in the metaverse. And I'm not just talking like porn and, <laughs> you know, um, you know, having billion dollar ships, you know, that are NFTs. It's it is it is way beyond that. And so anyway, I'm on their community and kind of engaged and and trying to help them a little bit, too. Is it funny whenever the new tech comes out, a new platform, porn is like always the one of the first ones to take advantage of it? it because they're smart marketers, right? Sex sells. I mean, it just does, right? Yeah. So so Discord, it, uh, I don't care wrong, but it, it didn't start like as a, 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 eventually, like at the first, like a developer communication platform, I think. And I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of gamers. And, yeah, you know, I'm gamers, not yeah. a gamer. Um, I think... I, I'm curious on what they're doing. And right now it's very early, I think early adopter. But um, here's my barista story again. I run ideas by baristas all the like Smart. I, I pulled in and I was like, hey, have you guys ever heard of Discord before? Because I'm I'm kind of intrigued by it. Like, have you heard about it? And they both looked at each other and it was really funny. They gave their like, why is she asking us this question? And I'm like, because I'm just curious. And what? And she was like, "I'm actually on it." And the other woman was like, "I'm on it too." And they were both on it for a game, mm-hmm. and um, and I forget the name of the game, but it was like 
oh, I, for, I forget what it was. But you, you go through kind of a game and then the community itself is on Discord, but they're mm. talking about the game. Okay. Yeah. So you can create all kind of little communities on there. And this morning I actually was on there and I started to create one and then I got busy and I was like, okay, it's on my to-do list. So what, what, what other kind of tech are you on? Like, like what's your favorite tech right now to play around with? Oh, favorite uh, tech. I, you know, I think with what Varus is doing, I'm, I'm, so Mike Tatongi, he is um, ex-Microsoft. He, um, I helped him launch his, uh, a Kickstarter campaign and he's kind of the lead developer of it. And so I've been kind of fascinated by just seeing what they're doing. Um, I also like my, so I have a, six, a 16 year old son and I'm always trying to figure out like ways that what he's interested in or things that I feel like I can introduce him to. So he's super interested in the stock market. Yeah, I remember and, I saw the post you on LinkedIn where you're like, hey, if I'm stalking you, because, you know, my son's introducing yeah. this, this, and this, you know. You know, so sometimes I feel like I'm more interested in finding things that he might be interested in. You know, so, um, like, I, I gave him some money to invest in stocks. And, you know, we're kind of now I find myself checking his stocks and see how he's doing. And, you know, so it's kind of fascinating in that way. Um, yeah, but mostly I think with what's going on in blockchain, what's going on in crypto, it's so early stage, like, it, you know, kind of hypey, if you will. But, um, you know, I remember when I remember when we were marketing Web 2.0. Right. Yeah. I rem- I mean, it was like, oh, the jargon. Right. But um, I think we're just scratching the surface of truly what Web 3, you know, what Web 3 is going to be. Yes. Next, let's go back in the past. You, you were the you started a company called Buzz Builders for mm-hmm. 05 21. Can you yeah. talk about like why you started it what you, and, and mainly what do you learn from that startup and that company that you're taking advantage of now with XC? Yeah. You know, it's funny that, so I started Buzz Builders. Um, I was pregnant with my son and um, I had worked, how do I get this? But I basically, I started Buzz Builders because I couldn't get pregnant. That's why I started at the company. I um, was a director at a company called Aventail working in network security. And then before that, I was a director uh, for a Bay Area company. I was traveling down to, I, so I was traveling to the Bay Area like every week for a long time. And that's a lot. So then I was struggling with fertility there. So I left there to get a local job so that I would be home. And um, this is way too much information, but it, this is why I started the company. Um, and then I was at Aventail for a long time and I still struggled with infertility stuff. And I was like, that's it. You know, like I want to get pregnant. So I left Aventail. And then I was like, what am I going to do? I started consulting on the side and um, had little kind of deals here and there. And then I brought in a friend who I worked with at Aventail. And I actually replaced her at Aventail. And we just connected. We connected during the interview when I replaced her. And I kept bringing her into like, hey, come do this account with me. You know, come do this account with me. And then she would bring me in. And then we're just like, hey, let's just do this together. And we both had strong startup backgrounds and just decided that, hey, let's start this company. Let's focus exclusively on startups. And, you know, let's see what we can do. And it's mainly like PR, communication. PR, communications, and then that transition to kind of digital marketing, if you will. And, um, you know, we launched, we got to work with just amazing entrepreneurs. So you know? for the startups, it was like early stage. That early you, stage. So like it, it was a C round, stage A round, like had yeah, a certain a amount of B. revenue, A to B, okay. A to B, sometimes seed. Okay. Sometimes seed or a kind of a decent angel round, if you will. Hmm. Um, and then usually just the angel kind of would know who we are and then bring us in. Um, but usually, and then we would kind of, they would outgrow us. We never wanted to work with giant companies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, we'll do all your upfront stuff. We'll launch the company. We'll get you out there, you know, figure out some messaging, 
you know, help you kind of generate awareness. And then, you know, sometimes it took companies like six months to outgrow us because they were on a ridiculous ride. And then we, I think our longest client was like seven years, oh, wow. you know, so they were, you know, it was like a, a longer, mm-hmm. you know, it, it depends on the explosive growth, right? And well, most of the clients here in Seattle, you're, you're nationwide? Uh, nationwide, but primarily here in Seattle. Okay. So um, Zulily, very early stage, OfferUp, very early stage. You know, White Pages now, uh, offshoot of that was Haya. So we launched Haya, what was at White Pages. Um, gosh, Wet Paint, Cheeseburger <laughs> Network. Like, we had a lot of fun. Um, so for your experience, what did most founders or entrepreneurs get wrong about public branding, personal branding, PR, that kind of stuff? It's like most startup founders, like their tech product, build a product, build a product. You know, it's funny. I mean, I think we were super lucky in terms of who we're working with. By the time they came to us, there wasn't... You know, it's, it, there wasn't a lot of fixing necessarily. Um, you know, sometimes you have tech, not, you know, founders who have, they're all tech background, but the ones that we've worked with have always respected marketing. Like, so we had a policy, like no jackasses. So I, I, I don't, you know, I think I've run into more common themes of what they are alike as opposed to what they got wrong. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's like by the time we connected with them and, you know, we go through a pitch process and we get to know them, we're kind of picky on who we bring on. So uh, I would think there's more commonalities in terms of who they are as people as opposed to what they got wrong. And so talk about your background. Like, how do you get into PR? Was that your degrees in PR communications? You just fell into an accident? Yeah, no. So in I was in school and I really wanted to be a physical therapist. And I, I played two sports in college and I was just like, this is not possible. You know, like, how am I going to miss all these labs? I can't miss all these labs. You know, and so I just kind of didn't declare my major for a long time up until I was a junior. And I took one class in PR and the professor just had a huge impact on me. Just really connected with her. She cared. Um, I think she kind of saw me as a diamond in the rough, if you will, which is kind of a theme, I think, of my life. And she invested in me and I invested back, you know, and I just loved it. And so I declared my major you know, I asked her to come on stage and, you know, like during hand me my diploma, you know, just huge impact on me. And, and I loved it. And then it was so fun. The year I graduated college was 1995. And I think it was 1994. There was a baseball strike and I was dead set on on sports PR. I love sports. Right. My background's in sports. I love sports. I love competition. I love everything about like, you know, being an athlete, if you will. Um, and there so i was like pretty much had a great in at the san francisco giants and then there was a strike and i was you know so i came out of school i started working at champ sports and retail and i was like are you serious like you go to school you do all this stuff and now i'm working in retail you know i did that for a couple months and then i landed at a um a company in san francisco where they were doing event management and pr and I first started doing events and I almost got fired. I was horrible at it. I hated it. I didn't like anything about it. And then they brought me in to do PR for a very tech-centric company, distributed computing, databases, how do you move all this data everywhere? And I was like, oh my God, I love this. And I never considered myself a technical person or like with a technical background. But um, I, yeah, I started working on that and loved it. I mean, I just love tech and I never looked back. Everything I've done since then has been tech. What, what sports did you play in college? Uh, field hockey and softball. Okay. Yeah. Um, so have you played that stuff since then, I'm guessing? Or? You know, um, for a little bit, like I would do things on the side. Um, 
<laughs> I was playing actually softball one time as an adult here. And I was in the outfield and I look and I see my kid who was like four years old at the time fell on his bike. He's trying to ride with no hands, busted his face on something. And I'm like running from the outfield, jumping a fence, like took my shirt off and I, you know, he's got blood everywhere. Put it on and we drive him to the hospital. That's the last time I played softball. Okay. <laughs> so, so what, 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 what ice hockey, field hockey, is there a difference in the rules or anything besides the, the what you play on? Uh, yeah. I mean, field hockey is kind of like soccer. Okay. You know, there's similar rules. I don't know hockey, um, ice hockey very well in terms of off sides and you know you're using a stick and you know trying to get something in a goal but uh field hockey is on the grass it's kind of like soccer maybe a combination of soccer and lacrosse it's okay. crazy i love it i've had so a few stitches from anything it anything physical oh yeah like it's going. so fun cool um so buzz builders why did you shut it down um you know okay so my my business partner at the time she um no, no, she just had had a baby and then she got pregnant with twins and it was that was just too much. So she stepped away and I was kind of doing a lot of it by myself. And and that's actually how it led to the creation of Exe. I was I was working a lot of hours. I was running Buzz Builders by myself and um and kind of going through like I was missing her, you know, in our day to day interactions and um and then I was just I wasn't exercising, I was extremely stressed out. And I was sitting at the skate park with my son after running him to like some doctor's appointment and then just some other session and some other session. And I looked down and I had like 2,200 steps for the day. And I had been having like chest pain and my dad's had two heart attacks. And I just had this like in his 50s, you know, and I had this aha moment where it's like, this is this is not sustainable. Yeah. Right. So I. So I, I decided, so I started XE, you know, with the, I, I was sitting on the bench. I'm like, what would happen, right? If this bench could become an exercise bike, like just wherever I am that I could actually exercise, you know, in the midst of everyday life. And, you know, while I'm on the sideline of my kids, like incredibly busy life, you know, and still, you know, do my business thing and do everything. And that's so why I had the idea for XE. And I, I kept Buzz Builders going and funded the business and, um, and then I, so, and then I actually went all in on XE, mm. like completely all in and didn't do anything with buzz builders. And that was like, I, you know, I think I did that out of pressure of feeling like I had to go all in in order to raise money. Mm. Um, yeah. So I kind of shut it down and then I went back on that and I, I still do consulting to this day. Yeah. So you've been over tech for like for a long time. What are some pros and cons that you noticed with tech through the last like 10, 20, how many long? Like what's been, what's been getting better about tech? What's been getting worse about tech? And what's your point of view on that? I think tech is getting better at data. You know, like I, I look at my, my Apple watch, right? I love this thing. Like in my life, there's only a few pieces of tech that I'm fully addicted to. My phone, like everybody else that I wish I wasn't addicted to. Uh, but my watch, like in terms of everything that it's tracking, Right. Helping me stand, helping me move, counting my calories, you know, telling me what my max, you know, oxygen levels are like. And I think it's only going to get smarter. I think they're trying to do blood pressure, you know, falling like who the heck would have thought you would get all that from a watch. Right. I mean, that's insane. So I think there's some I think just the ability to capture data, act on the data, the biometrics of what's happening behind, you know, and then the intelligence that can come from that. I mean, I hope at some point. You know, my what I my holy grail, if you will, especially as it comes to XE, if I can figure out 
the success factors of what makes people feel good when they exercise when they have Parkinson's disease? What makes them feel good when they exercise and they have MS, right? What happens to somebody who has depression, anxiety, and then we introduce exercise and we keep track of the data along the way? You know, and then all of a sudden it's connected to Alexa or some other tool that's like, hey, we notice that you're feeling down, right? Or we, we notice that you're actually the endorphins that you get from exercise, you know, makes your depression and anxiety go down. And we notice you haven't done it in a few days. Like, hey, it's time, right? Like, we need to get you back in that. Um, so, yeah, so it's data. I think it's data. So is that, should we be concerned about, I mean, of course, my point of view, there's no privacy anyway, right? Not really. Yeah. Should we be concerned about loss, loss, like the loss of privacy? Like all these companies know everything about us. Should that be a concern? Or? <sighs> you know, like the other day, my husband, we're talking, we're talking and Alexa chimes in randomly out of the most random time. And I was like, why the, you obviously listening, right? You know, or one time I was doing a live thing like this and I told, uh, it was like for um, the, uh, um, during Breast Cancer Awareness Month and I told Alexa to play pink, right? In the video, I was like giving an example to my audience of like pink, right? And like playing it and it turned pink on in people's homes. Right. What? Yeah. I had I had my that's, customers. They're like, insane. hey, you just turned pink on in my house. And I'm like, well, you should know pink, right? Pink's <laughs> the best. But that is like a little bit crazy. Yeah, that's a little bit yeah, too stalker. Right. Like all of a sudden what happens, you know, if, you know, you're turning something on and people don't want it on and it and it has bad intentions, you know, so. I don't know. You know, you remember this is how many years ago where Amazon had the idea where somehow we're. The delivery person would have access to your door. They could go in your your, your house, unlock yeah, the no. door. I'm like, what? Who, I, that's my, who thought of this, right? Yeah. And I, I, I think I think they got rid of it. I haven't heard anything about it recently. Yeah, right? no. No, I wouldn't be okay with that. <laughs> no. So next, change the subject. So you look at your profile. You have a lot of roles. Okay. Wife, mom, sister, <laughs> aunt, friend, mentor, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Can you kind of talk about how important each role is for you? How, how you do all these roles and yeah. how you like keep from going insane from doing all these roles? Yeah. It's funny. You're paying attention. You know, it's funny I put that on there because I feel like, especially during this entrepreneur journey, we connect ourselves too much to uh, our like win of win or fail of who we are in our business. And I have found myself doing that, right? Like, oh, I didn't get any, like a, enough sales this week and, and feeling like a failure or whatever. And I just like, you're so much more than that, right? And even if the business fails or whatever succeeds, you're way more than the company. And so I wrote that on there a long time ago. Yeah, you know, and, and I kind of prior, you know, it's like people ask me all the time on advice and I'm like, don't get divorced and don't mess up your kids, right? I mean, they're... When you like go all in on a company, it is all consuming, like in a and sometimes unhealthy way if you let it. And so, you know, trying to squeeze in being even a decent aunt is, you know, a hard thing to do. But you I try to prioritize it. Am I great at it? No, you know, but I do it when I can. Um, but prioritizing, you know, the relationships, my marriage, I've been married for next year will be 25 years. And, you know, it, it's a hard thing to you know, to create a company. And so, um, yeah, I even I asked my like my son and my um, husband like permission to do the company because I knew it was going to be insane, you know. So it's like prioritizing that from the beginning. I just I feel like it's important to identify who you are outside of the company. Can you talk about the importance of having your like husband, son, close family, close friends support you? I think it's everything. You know, um, I remember when I first started XE. You know, I gave up a, a very good income and um, 
I used my savings. I used like, you know, credit cards, you name it to get, get the company started. And, you know, all of a sudden a lot more burden fell on my husband's shoulders, you know, you know, financially, um, I'm distracted. I'm not getting enough sleep, you know, or whatever. And so I did ask both of them for permission, like I said, coming into the whole thing. But um, I don't without their support, I, I just I don't think it's it's possible, you know, because, you know, like a teenager, they're little they can be little turds. And, you know, like imagine, you know, them just throwing it in your face like well, you didn't do this or you didn't do that. And so it's like a contract from the beginning you know, on agreement that, hey, I am going to miss some things. And uh, that's just the way it is. And, you know, you're going to have to be an independent kid. Uh, can, you yeah, talk, so. can you talk about this? I think we don't talk about this enough, right? Like life still goes on, right? Like you still got to do the laundry. Yeah. You got to take the go to the doctor. You got to order change, right? And yeah. we don't talk about the, all the life still goes on, right? Yeah. How do you manage everything? Like the startup and everything you're doing is still like do like all the all the real stuff, so to speak. I deprioritize house stuff. Let's just say that. I, I've heard that from several I people. I don't cook. I, you know, I'm a, I'm not a, I, I hate cooking. I hate the laundry. I hate cleaning. And it's so funny because one of the things that, you know, like when you're doing a startup and you're redoing your budget, things like a house cleaner gets like pushed down. And that was one of the first things that we got rid of. And I'm just like, this is, you know, so... My house is not always spotless by any means. Um, I, I have, I have so much laundry on the couch right now that um, I, I, I mean, I don't even know where to start unfolding it. <laughs> like just, you know. So my husband helps a lot. My husband, you know, he helps with the dishes and laundry, and you know, it's a, sometimes we have this battle of like, I wonder who's going to get to it first. Like if we just run out of forks and we run out of spoons, like which one of us is going to go do dishes first, you know, but it's and we try to like my, you know, get my son to unload the dishwasher, you know, bring do his laundry stuff. And I've never done my husband's laundry. He's always done his own laundry. Um, I did his laundry one time we were dating and I shrunk everything and, and turned some things like discolored and he never let me touch his laundry again. <laughs> so um, I just... The the uh, the household itself, you know, I keep it on the tracks, but I am by. It's probably the one of the few things in my life where I'm actually like try to be a perfectionist. I just, it's just I don't give a lot of weight to it. Can you talk about the importance of exercise? Yeah, I mean, for me, exercise is medicine, and and so that's how I think of it. I think of it as a miracle pill that we all have access to, and. Um, our particular role in that is to make it more accessible to people who have struggled getting access to exercise. And it's, you know, everything from managing depression, anxiety, cancer, preventing heart disease, obesity, all of, you know, society ailments, being sedentary. Um, to me, it is the holy grail of health. In addition, you know, you, it's like, Everybody always does this diet or exercise diet. Like you have to pick, right? And um, I'm not a fan of that at all. But I think sometimes if you can pick like one thing and try to be good at it or better at it, you know, even just moving a little bit more than you did, you know, yesterday and being a little less sedentary than you were the day before, you know, then it, it, it's it's game changing for our health. And 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 it's not just. And I'm talking about being able to play and lift up your grandkids, you know, lifting, playing tag with your kids. Um, you know, not how if people care what they look like on, in a bikini or their jeans or whatever, whatever is your motivator. But for me, it's like 
it's functional fitness, if you will, functional exercise and how we prevent disease and how we like live our best life. So I think it's the miracle pill to lots of society ailments. Does the type of exercise matter? Does the type of exercise yeah, like matter? Bicycling versus lifting weights versus yoga you know, versus whatever. I think it's whatever brings you joy, whatever you're going to actually stick with. You know, if you're going to, um, you know, there, there's the guidelines that, you know, that are given to us. It, it's 150 minutes of, of cardio and it's two days of uh, strength training every week. And, you know, if you can, my goal, I don't care what you do, is to get to the bare minimum requirement to prevent the onset and progression of disease. And I mean, and, and 80% of us fail at that, 80%. Like, you know, and we live in jobs where we sit down a lot. You know, even if you're at a standing desk, it, you know, it, it doesn't matter. If you're sedentary all day and you're a triathlete, you gotta move more during the day. You know, so I think it's whatever makes you happy on getting to the bare minimum. And if you wanna do more, great, but get to the bare minimum. Does it matter if you exercise by yourself or with a group of people? I think it's whatever motivates you. Like for me, my time slot that I exercise is about 8.30 at night and it's while we're watching TV. I pedal from the couch, I pedal from a chair, I lie down, I pedal my arms and I do XE. And that, it's funny for, like we have every piece of exercise equipment you can, uh, that you'll need. We have a treadmill, we have a Bowflex, we've got, I've got a lot of things in the basement and we've always had it in the basement. And I never realized just how much of a barrier it was for me to go exercise by myself in the basement. It just sounds so simple, but if I can, so I exercise while watching TV, my dog is my pillow, you know, I'm petting my dog, you know, my husband's sitting next to me, you know, when the, my son was little, now he has the driver's license, he's never home. Um, you know, that being able to sit down in a room you know, and spend quality time, talk about the show on TV, like it is that eliminated the barrier for me. And so, I mean, I have exercised consistently every single week to meet the, the bare minimum of exercise since I created XE, since we created the prototype. What's the longest period of days you've gone without exercising since you started the company? Maybe three days. Three days. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I have, like I have XE, I, I sit it, on my fireplace like it's on a mantle or we have a like a low mantle and it's sitting there and it kind of guilts you into exercise like if i'm sitting in our living room i'm not moving not doing something i'm being sedentary on social media or doing something i it, it like dares me to do something like why not pedal while you're doing those things uh, i should have said do you want to sit it up right here so people oh, sure i should have thought about that before we were oh, starting no um it's adjustable height. <laughs> it's it's kind of, but it, I mean, it's so funny. I had to walk around the building, right, uh -huh. to get into your building. I'm like, who else can carry the equivalent of an upper body ergometer, which is giant, right, or exercise bike, and like just walk around the building <laughs> with it with no problem. So it's kind of fun. So next question. So you have a patent on this, right? Yeah, we have two. Can you talk about why you decided to get patents and, and talk, just talk through the patent process? Yeah, so the patent process is interesting. Um, we decided to go down the patent route because I think that what we've built, it, it, I mean, we have core intellectual property built into it that eventually sometime, hopefully somebody can license from us and um, reach more people. And I think it builds value in the company. And um, yeah, so it, we have two patents. We have one on how we prevent it from scooting. So there's all kinds of portable exercise bikes out there, but they scoot away from somebody as soon as it becomes more intense. 
So it's wonder if you just want to kind of pedal leisurely, if you will, the lot the exercise bikes that are out there for like fifty dollars, they might do the work, the job, right? They're still going to scoot away from you, but maybe it's just light enough. But I wanted like intense exercise to light exercise, range of motion, working through a torn ACL, whatever, right? And so uh, that patent it prevents it from scooting, and so that's one of them. The other patent is we have another device that it fits on a weight rack. It's one of my favorite products. It's such a great product. And you just put it on the weight rack and you can move it up and down the weight rack, right? The challenge is not everybody has a weight mm-hmm. rack. It's a big thing. So that's more like been on physical therapy clinics. And um, yeah, it's one of our, probably our least sold SKU, one of my favorite products. So I'm guessing you have like some kind of like instruction manual or video things for people yeah. who you can, they, they can learn how to use the, yeah. the platform. Yep. Yeah. We have, um, I've done a lot of videos, lots of live videos like this, you know, for our customers. I call them the XC family. You come into the XC family, you get, you know, my cell phone and anything else that you need. So uh, we have onboarding videos. Um, we have exercise videos. I've got videos from physical therapists on how to properly use it um, for multiple positions and different ailments, if you will. Is your main customer physical therapy people or just individual people or just a it's good mix? It's individual people. It really is. It, I mean, when it comes down to it, like it, it's kind of me and people like me. You know, I, I've been active my entire life. And where XE really kind of really became defined on who our product market fit and going after, we did a Kickstarter. And during the process of creating XE, I broke my leg. I got a blood clot and I was using the prototype and next thing you know, my, my heart rate's at 160. I am completely non-weight-bearing, right? I'm, I'm pedaling XE with my hands, getting my heart rate through the roof, right? And not only was that good for my health and processing the blood clot, but it's like my sanity, right? So if you take somebody who's active, right, they've been active, and all of a sudden they have Parkinson's disease— you know, I have like we have one of our customers. He ran marathons. He's done so many amazing things. R- used to ride his bike. Used to do all this stuff, and he gets Parkinson's disease. You know, he can't see. His balance is off a little bit. He's older. He, you know, so he uses us. So our core demographic is it's an active person, usually has an age related injury, you know, disease diagnosis, and that's where the idea of not being able to exercise and li- you know is just overwhelming to them. Sometimes that is, you know, somebody super active, they get a spinal cord injury, right, from skiing. Um, we've had, or, or some of the times I swear when I have a friend who's in their 40s and all of a sudden they start playing tennis, I'm like, oh, God. All right, I know I'm going to see you in a little bit with a torn ACL. So, you know, not to laugh at that, but it's true because I've done it myself. I, you know, I tore my hamstring, like trying to be super mom in my son's baseball practice showing these little you know teenage kids that I could still you know catch a ball and I almost passed out because I tore my hamstring so bad it was horrible you know so it's like you're active and just the idea of not having access to exercise is overwhelming is there a different choice in colors no it's uh, no I so we started off black black and red like every fitness product out there right I I felt like I was doing the whole like I think I I don't know I thought it would be sexy but we went to yellow, and I think it's because it's happy. It's like, you know, happy faces are yellow. And we have a lot of customers who pedal, uh, you know, like XE from bed um, in a hospital bed in the ICU, you know, and it's like, why not bring a little happiness to the whole thing? You know, so that's that's why it's yellow. My son has been trying to get me to paint it blue forever <laughs> or do, uh, he, what does he want? He wants uh, I have blue for sure. But yeah, no, we're keeping it yellow. 
Can you talk about the engineering piece? I'm, I'm guessing this wasn't a, a, a easy engineering thing to put together, it's right? It's not. You know, um, it, it's a tiny little device. There's a lot of utility in it. I don't know how much you can see. They, they can see everything. Okay. So, right. It, it adjusts in height. So, I mean, like taking it, it's like a clam. And you can see, you know, I can hold this up here really easily. You, so you can store easily. It fits in an overhead on an airplane. Um, That's a big plus. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I travel with it all the time. I can't help it when I take when I travel. I take videos because I just think it's awesome. Um, you know, so it opens up and closes like a clam. It adjusts in height. So this pin and the height, like in this position right here in front of a chair, you pedal it like a normal recumbent exercise bike. The black, the material that I was mentioned that prevents it from scooting. So this black material, you 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 sit on it, you lie on it, you stand on it. That's what prevents it from from uh, scooting. Here, um, I mean, and just so and adjustable heights, right? So like on the high height here, and you just use a pin to lock it in. This is where a lot of people use it for pedaling their arms. But even so, whether you're standing or sitting, like so a lot of times I sit here and then I pedal my arms. It's my favorite position. It's probably one of the most frequent way that I use XE. And then cushions on one side for your hands and then on your feet. So pedal with your feet and then your hands. And then the resistance is up here. You just turn a knob and uh, two, you know, goes from two to 70 pounds. So it, it can get, I mean, you can't outgrow XE. I'll give me any athlete on the planet and I will make them suffer. <laughs> but not that we have to suffer because we don't. How many versions of this did y'all go through like oh, before God. you decide, okay, we're going to release it? So the Kickstarter, so we had a prototype. I should carry, should like I'll, I'll send you a picture of the prototype. I have it in my office. I have, we have two. So this is like the, the prototype, everything in the prototype actually ended up what we patented. The whole idea of the material that you sit on. So that was the first design. Then we had our Kickstarter design, and it changed a lot between what we did on Kickstarter and then what it is From today. user's feedback and stuff like that? User feedback, you know, like the bar was removable, for example. And, and then we discovered that people had a hard time taking the bar on and off. And then also, by and large, they didn't want to take it off. So we made it permanent. Um, the way that we... Uh, so can I stand up? Yeah. So I'll show you. this little piece was one of the core kind of changes. So we have this little knob here and it opens up, okay? So that changes the footprint of it and there's a bunch of different positions and that you can do. And then you just kind of put it back in and lock down. And the, the first time how we did the slide, we got, it's the slide, it was different, you know, in our Kickstarter one. So we just focused on like making it easier and easier and easier. Um, the tension, like, so when we first started um, going out, we were focused mostly on pedaling forward. And then I just got addicted to pedaling it backwards. I'm like, this thing is great. You know what I mean? Like, I can have, so n before we had, like, a certain number of resistance in the front, and then you couldn't equal it in the back. So you would pedal, like, forward, and then it would be harder to pedal it in reverse. And so that was like, we changed the resistance and how we're doing resistance so that you can do it equal in both directions on the fly. And it's a game changer. Like you just use all different muscles when you pedal in reverse. How, how do you do customer service? Like there's like a, a, a phone number people call yeah. or some kind of, how do, how do you do customer service? Um, just, they can send us an email, they can call, you know, when whenever somebody becomes a new customer, they get a welcome email. 
you know, um, here's all the tips, tricks, you know, videos, guide, everything that you could possibly need. And if they need help setting up or they have any additional questions, then they can email or they can call us. Is it like some kind of online XE community that people can join? You know, I start, I, this is where Discord. Discord, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a little fascinated on the Discord side. I, I've been to, you know, like I gave up Facebook. Um, I took it off my phone. I don't have the app on my phone anymore. And um, they kind of, for me, crossed the line when there's a couple things where I feel like Facebook has crossed the line, where I'm trying to not be on it as mm-hmm. much. And I just don't want my community to feel like they have to go there. You know, so I'm in the search for how to fix that. You know, we have a mobile coaching application mm-hmm. that goes with XE, has coaching, has videos, has, you know, guided workouts, all kinds of stuff. Maybe, you know, they could connect in there at some point. Um, but I think Discord might be. It good. might be. Yeah. I just have to figure out if, you know, if people are comfortable with Discord, you know, and I, I think it's. Probably, it edu- reminds, probably educate them on it. Some education. On it. I think it's like an old school forum, right? Like old school you know, threaded right. discussions. Actually, you're right. It is yeah. just like that. So I feel like that's like we just go back a little bit more on threaded discussions and. And having them more tailored to, you know, what, like we have people who have, like, there's this disease called POTS disease, okay? It's highly impacted for young women. And I've seen a huge uptake in this disease since COVID started. And uh, most of the people who come to us, they had COVID, and this is a long COVID reaction to it. And it's a horrible disease. It's like you exercise, you feel horrible afterwards, but it's the best thing that you can do, right? How do you stay motivated when you have something like that? You stay motivated by connecting with other people who are going through the same thing. And I feel like I haven't done my job in connecting them in that way. And so I'm I'm committed to that, you know, but and especially the diseases that are really hard, you know, and um, I mean, MS is hard. I mean, it's the things that people I'm I'm convinced that I have the most inspired, like inspiring customers on the planet because, you know, you see people who. They can exercise and they don't. And I have, like I don't judge that by any means. But when you see people who can barely move, finding ways to exercise, you just have a new appreciation for it, you know. But I want to connect them. Like I have this, we have this one customer who I love her. She's in, um, she's in London and she has cerebral palsy. And we actually created a custom solution for her, um, you know. And like I would love to see her do fitness videos. I've got another woman who's blind. Like, you know, like she she wanted to become a blind instructor, you know, for other people who are blind. So there's lots of things I feel like if I could get a strong community component going, we could do that. So is it safe to presume that your marketing background gave you a great leg up, a great advantage yeah. in, the, in the Kickstarter? I think so. I don't I think I couldn't afford me. I'm pretty sure I couldn't <laughs> afford me. Right. I, I'd be too expensive. And so, yes, I think my background in marketing. is uh, Yeah. I mean, it was we built a great product. Was Kickstarter pretty successful? Um, we were successful. We reached our, I, I set a low goal. I actually set, I used Kickstarter for me for what it's truly designed for. I needed, you know, I wanted to do a product market fit. I wanted to figure out who would buy us. Would people actually pay for this? Did people have this problem? You know, and, and what year was the Kickstarter? Uh, 2016. 16, okay. So yeah. pretty kind of recent. Yeah. You know, so um, we, we raised, I think our goal was 19,000. We raised 23. And we shipped, Im- like for our first 12 units, we shipped immediately. I had already invested in the product. I was ready to go. And then the rest of the orders we shipped in three months. You know, so it was it was like, you know, I'm in if you guys are in. So when someone buys a product, they buy it, I'm guessing they only buy it, we don't have to buy it one time, right? Yeah. Is there anything like, 
do you have any different revenue that you get off it? Like any, like, I don't know, like. Um, we have a, so like we have a rental program. So I have a rent, you can either rent it short term, month to month. And a lot of times those are people who have had an injury, um, broken leg, broken ankle, upper body. They want to use upper body is primarily that use case. Um, torn ACL, we see that one a lot. Then we have a month to month revenue. I mean, month to month rentals. I mean, sorry, 12 month rentals, like rent to own. And then I don't up charge it. Okay. But so there's no upcharging, nothing like no, that. There's no, no get this, but in order, you know, how some people that are like sell a product. If you want the directions, pay $10,000. No. And, okay. No. And you know, it's interesting. Like I had, so I, XE is my, for five years, all I did was, was XE. I didn't do anything else because I wanted people to see that I was, I was taking good care of myself. I was in good shape, good health. And all I did was XE. Yeah, probably, then, probably sent the wrong message. You were like, you know, five, seven, 500 pounds and could barely walk. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and, and, and also I was very strict on, hey, I'm going to do this six days a week, 20 minutes. I do high-intensity interval training. That's all I do. And um, what, a year ago, two years, during the pandemic, I did buy a tonal system. And it's the first fitness product that I've bought. And, and I use it. And I use it like once a week, sometimes twice a week. And it is a subscription-based model. They have great content. It's $50 a month. And without that content, without paying the $50, the device is completely useless. I don't like that. Yeah. Right? And I mean, I as a, as a user, I'm kind of like, I actually don't use a lot of their content. I create my own, you know, and I feel like, charge me 10 bucks for that. Right? But I do want companies to make money. Right? We have to make money. We have to have a good revenue model. So eventually, I do want to have a subscription-based content for XE around particular diseases and injuries where, hey, if you get a diagnosis, here's your subscription to work through that. If you tear your ACL, here's your subscription to work through that with your physical therapist, right? But, but here's a boatload of free content. Here's an extremely great app that you can use, right, that it works by itself. You don't need anything else, you know, but if you need extra extra content and and niche target, if you will, niche content, then we'll create that for you, right? Can you talk about how you come out of the world of exercise, the world of tech, with the actual product and the mobile app? Yeah, so so I had worked, a lot of the companies that I worked with who were my clients in the marketing days, you know, were mobile companies. Like they had mobile app companies. Offer up, for example, like as a mobile app, you know, um, lots of other examples. And so I had done a lot of, hey, I want this feature, I want that feature, I want this feature in terms of what's going to make this a successful kind of PR launch. These are the things I needed to do. This is the minimal viable product. And, uh, you know, so I had been through a lot of that and suggestions on design, suggestions on features, but not actually creating it myself. Right. And I'm surprised, honestly, I'm surprised that somebody didn't tell me to like go fly a kite at some point. Right. Because you're like, like an entrepreneur is like, Michelle, we've already thought about that. Right. No. And, um, you know, so I, I had uh, we have an iOS developer and we have an Android developer who helped me build the app. I designed it in terms of what I wanted it to do um, and worked with a graphic design artist and picked the color scheme and, you know, kind of what this is the bare minimum of what it has to do when it's a free app. And the developers, you already knew them from previous relationship. No, I just asked, started asking around, you know, um, our iOS developer, for example, is the son of my husband's colleague and he was creating a mobile application for for a company that he was working with and I brought him in to create ours yeah and then the Android developer was his friend oh nice yeah 
Can you talk some more detail about the challenge of being a non-tech founder, trying to build a tech product? Um, you know, I, I have not run into the normal. I, here, here's what I'd say. I have a co-founder who compliments my skills tremendously. His background is engineering. His background is he's worked with startups. He has brought, you know, companies to the masses worldwide. Um, and so he has to I just get to tell him what I want. Right. OK, I want it to be this much weight. I want it to be this size. I want this much resistance. Like, can you please make this happen? Right. And he built it. And like, you know, so it's been a wonderful collaboration, you know, where and then he doesn't have to worry about marketing, but he's pretty marketing savvy guy. You know, so he has suggestions. So I listen to him on marketing suggestions and sales suggestions, and he listens to me on product. And so there's no way neither one of us could afford each other on our own. Right. So it was a perfect match. I can't imagine doing this without a co-founder. So how did you meet your co-founder? He's my uncle. Uncle? Oh, yeah. That's that. that, that that's that's a, a helpful. That's a, that's a little advantage. Right? Oh, yeah. So my whole life, I've known him, you know, like not super close and. But as the the bike guy, I mean, he rides his bike everywhere. I mean, Mike has probably put, I think at the time of starting the company, he had like 150,000 miles that he's probably put in on a bike. He's probably well, like over 200 now. He rides everywhere. He is a hardcore cyclist. There's nobody better than, you know, to kind of, when I had the idea, I called him. I was like, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? So Michelle, how often do y'all do like engineering updates, like update the, the platform and, and make changes to it based you on customer know, feedback, whatever? The core product itself is done. Like it's, there's, you know, but like if you look on our website, the pedals are black and they're different. We upgraded the pedal because I just, you know, we wanted to upgrade the pedal where people could easily pedal um, with a cushion on one side. So we just randomly did that. Um, the way that we adjusted the heights in the first model, we just updated it. So there's little tweaks all the time here and there, but the foundation of the product is not going to change. Uh. So, so where is the product actually made out? Can you talk about how the, how the product's sure. made, where it's made out? Just the, I guess, whole, I guess the, the factory process is done. Yeah. So everything, so the majority of XE is made in Ohio. So everything is manufactured. It's fabricated in Ohio. And um, but like the axle is comes out of um, L.A. We have a, a hardware company in L.A. that builds the axle. And there's one piece that's made in Taiwan. And that's the, the base here is comes out of Taiwan. Taiwan is the bicycling center of the world. And, um, you know, it's funny. Everybody's like making in, you know, somewhere else, like, you know, primarily in China. And the U.S. is really good in metal fabrication. The metal. I mean, it's just amazing. And so, you know, we've been able to stay where we're, you know, manufactured in the U.S. and it's in Ohio. How did you sign up with the extra material? Like, how do you sign like, on, like, you know, metal versus steel versus aluminum, so plastic? So, light was important, right? I mean, if somebody knows welding and they know metal, the first thing they do is look at the welds. The welds are, it's, it's really good. It's a really good product. So, the, so I stand on XE. And I, so what would happen, right, when we, the first, this is kind of funny, when we created the Kickstarter version, and then all of a sudden I have people sending me videos of them standing on it. And I'm like, don't stand. It's not safe, right? Because the base, like the base just 
wasn't safe enough to stand on. And then I started standing on it and I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it's an intense, crazy workout, but it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, so it has to be sturdy. It has to be sturdy. And then there's, there are certain metrics that you have to like, be, you have to hold a certain number of weight and all of those things, you know, that are just basic rules that you have to have. So we reach, you know, you start there and then maybe increase it. Right. So, but there's no weight limit for XE. It's the only exercise bike that there's no weight limit for. Can you talk about how do you have like negotiate like deals, labor deals with different different factories? How does that work? Um, no, we just you know we've had the same manufacturers the entire time, okay. and they've been really good to work with. We you know it's like we started off smaller volume, and they're betting on us as much as we're betting on them. You know it's like hey like you know work with us now. We're just going through kind of you know we're small, and um, our intentions are to grow. And when we grow, we're going to grow with you. You know, and so they feel like, you know, they like we I share customer cus- like testimonials with our manufacturers so that they know that what we're doing and what they're doing matter. You know, it changes people's life. And so a lot of times we use that content that we create not only to, you know, for marketing purposes, but to just let our manufacturers know that, hey, we're here, we're keeping at it and we're helping people. You know, so we've we've had really, really good partners on the manufacturing side. Do you have to have any type of insurance in case like someone like sues you yep. for like, you know, oh, I fell off, you know, yeah. or whatever. Like we that. have liability insurance. You have to carry that. And I think for like even to go to a trade show, you have to have life. You have to have insurance, you know. So like when we exhibit at a trade show, they actually they want to see that you have insurance. So there's there's the business operation side of needing insurance. And then there's also the safety side, you know, but. You can't, there's a lot of things you can't do unless you have insurance. And like we're in several hospitals, we have to show that we have insurance. Has anyone actually sued you? No. And don't, That's good. don't say, like we're a small That's company. Good. <laughs> That's good. That's it's good. It's such a safe, I mean, it's, it's yeah. like, it's such an easy to use product. So, um, so you're pretty happy with manufacturers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a plan like, like double production, triple production, or are you just like on a little glide path right now as far as growth? You know, Here's my strategy. So how do I say I have two years until my son is like out of high school, actually now less than so he's a, a junior. We're approaching the end of his junior year. That ask me that question when he's done with high school. So I want to enjoy this time yeah. with him. And um, I've been involved with several, you know, billion dollar companies who have gone from zero, you know, um, to total ubiquity and and killing it. I think it's a minimum of 70 to 8 hour work week minimum to pull that off. I'm not ready I'm not ready to do that right now. And so and it's taken me a long time to get to that point of being that honest with myself. So um ask me that question in a year. Okay. <laughs> so you talked about some already but can you talk more about the advantage of using this at a, as a physical therapy or physical therapy yeah. organization? So there's a there's a couple there's a couple things in physical therapy. Motion is lotion. Okay? So for the joint so if we can get you barely moving, right? If you're completely sedentary, but we can get you moving, that's a place to start. Like even in, so like in the ICU, if we can even get your, like if I would have had XE when I had my injury, I would not have gotten a blood clot. I wouldn't have, because I would have had my feet above my heart. I would have been doing calf pumps and it would have sucked the entire time. It would have hurt. It would have, I would not have wanted to do it, but I would have done it. Right. So if we can get people even in the ICU, just getting their feet above their heart, like I have people doing small back and forth motions, tiny motions. Right. 
calf pumps, feet above your heart. What can we do with that? And then turning it around and pedaling your arms. Like, so my aunt has brain cancer. She's dying. And I sent her a, uh, one of our hospital bikes and she sent me a video of her pedaling in bed, right? Of pedaling her arms in bed. And that movement is game changing. It's like when you're in a hospital, you're not just talking about calories or whatever. You're talking about being able to have a bowel movement. You're talking about, you know, keeping your blood flow going. It's like getting your blood pressure up. It, I mean, there's there's so many things that exercise does besides, you know, help you fit in a pair of jeans. So, and when it comes to physical therapy, it, it's range of motion. It's motion is lotion for the joint. Um, you know, it, and there's of uh, uh, getting from one place to another, right? And small, like one thing with, with XE where it really comes into play is nobody's going to go to a gym for five minutes, right? It's like this mindset of if I can't go 45 minutes to an hour, I'm not going to do it, right? And, and that's just not what the science says, right? And so the science like, no, exercise for five minutes and then five minutes, like in an hour or two hours, go five minutes and then maybe three times a day you're doing five minutes, right? Like a lot of times people, are, they're, they're, they're not going to do that anywhere else, they're, but they'll do that in their bed and they'll do it while they're watching their favorite show. You know, so that's kind of where we're meeting them where they're at so that we can. And sometimes that might be the only thing that they that all they can do for their whole life. Right. Like five minutes, three times a day. You know, so it's it's everything from like circulatory system, drainage, lymph drainage during cancer, um, all kinds of different things that you can do. What's your advice of someone who like has exercise for say 10, 20 years, mm -hmm. unmotivated? What's your, what's your advice? To, to, of course, you know, just get started is a great advice, but yeah. how do you get someone to motivate themselves to just get started? They haven't done it for a while. You know, I have this process that I like to say of starting with your why. And, um, you know, it goes back to like, why are you doing anything? Like, why do you want to exercise more? You know, and it, it, if it's a vanity play, then okay, right? Let's talk or let's start with the vanity play. If it's to have more energy, if it's to, um, like for me, I didn't want to have a heart attack when I'm in my 50s, you know? And so, you know, and I want to be able to run, I want to be able to ski with my son. You know, I want to be able to mountain bike. I want to be able to do all the, until I'm like as old as possible, right? What did, there's this, I heard this, it's like, I want to die young, right? As late as possible. Yeah, I've heard that before. I love that. Right. So I, it's like getting to the why. Like for me, that's my why. I want to be able to do all these things, you know, until I, I, I don't even know if I want to be on this planet when I can't do those things. Right. So I think you start with your why. And sometimes it's, it literally is like, I want to have energy to play with the grandkids. I don't want to fall. I don't want to be out of breath, you know, when they come over and I, and, or feel exhausted when they leave. You're still going to feel exhausted when they leave because kids are draining. But, you know, it's like, I think it starts by getting into your why. And then starting from there, well, well what, then what does it take? And also, what am I willing and able to do? Both, right? Because a lot of times people will be willing to do something, but they're not able to. And, or they'll be able to do something, but not willing. And so I think it's finding this like match of where you're, you're both willing and able equally, if that makes sense. It does. What a lot of people do, they're like, they work you know, all through the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Oh, I'll have fun when I retire at 65. Hit 65, their body completely breaks down, right? Yep. And they can't do anything. Nope. Yeah. And, you know, it's fine. Like, my, my dad is 71 and um, worked at a desk his whole life. 
And like I guess I had two heart attacks. And a lot of that I count to just being having a sedentary job. You know, he used to smoke. Um, when I was long, young, he used to drink. And um, when he retired, he lost like 30 pounds the first year. We do not realize how much that sitting at our desk all day is actually impacting our health and how much just a little movement. So like because that's just the nature of our modern workforce is sitting right for a lot of people. I invite take breaks, like take little breaks, even this sounds ridiculous. Drink so drink water. Right. If you can do one thing, drink water. Right. Because it forces you to get up to go to the bathroom. And it literally can be as sometimes like as simple as that. That will force you to get up. And that getting up is going to drive, you know, increase your heart rate. Maybe during you get up, you can do some arm circles. You know, you can do some calf raises. You can do some, you know, squats or whatever. But yeah, drink a lot of water and that will force you to get up. <laughs> Michelle, talk about the, the background of the name of the company, YXE. Yeah, so it's short for exercise cycling. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's so funny. We were going through all of this stuff. Like, what do we name it? What do we name it? What do we name it? And Mike, who's my co-founder, right? He had the word XE in a Excel spreadsheet as the, as the label for the base. Like, and so we're like, so he was like, why don't we name XE? It actually means something. It's four characters. Easy to remember. So that's, yeah, straightforward. Michelle, can you talk more about your own entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. So, um, you know, I would say I've learned a lot, and what I've learned is to avoid the peaks and the valleys. That's right? so hard to do sometimes, though. It's really hard. And my my husband, my so my husband has been a really good like. So marketing is so my husband's a sales guy, okay, and every he is a stack ranked. What is the revenue, right? Like, and 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 being a salesperson is to me the closest thing to being an entrepreneur. Right. You it's like you have to create your own business plan. How are you going to grow your territory? How are you going to do everything? Right. And then you have all of your peers know how you're doing because you're stack ranked. I think everybody should be stack ranked, by the way. Um, and so and then my background is on the marketing side. And so I would just like he I've learned a lot from him. Like one time I gave him a pitch and he's like, you're like the worst salesperson ever. And he's really good at it. So I've learned like sales is super, super, super important. And you have to learn how to do it. Um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs avoid sales. Yeah. You know, the more you can talk to customers, you know, that is the core of everything, the better. So I would say learn sales, you know, for sure. And on that peak in the valley is sometimes, you know, it's like, how do you fill the gap when there are valleys? And I think that's been, you know, I have my little techniques of things I do, um, you know, but that, I think that's like key. So you said you have a customer in London, right? I have a, a customer in London. Oh, yeah, yeah. What other countries do you have, like, your product in? Oh, gosh, we're probably in at least 20 countries. 20 countries? Yeah, if I, I'd have to count. But, um, yeah, I mean, Canada is definitely our second most, um, cu where people purchase from, for sure. Um, I, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, uh, Singapore, Dubai, um, the U.K., uh, we just got a hospital so, out of so how do they find out about you? You have some kind of marketing plan that's word of mouth? It or is word of, mouth, word of mouth and it is content marketing. My We have grown the entire company organically, primarily, 
through content marketing efforts. How often do people send you videos of them using the product? Not enough. You know, it's not enough. Um, what they, you know what they send me pictures of? They send me pictures of their cat and their dog sitting on the black. Like, look at so-and-so's enjoying the, you know, and I'm like, that's awesome. But can I have a picture of you doing it? But I do get pictures a lot. I wish I would get more. I still like the cat photos, obviously, you know, but I get pictures of, you know, the cat sitting on their lap <laughs> while they're pedaling. You know, I get pictures with a dog sitting on the lap while they're pedaling. Um, the other day, a customer sent me a picture of them just absolutely, like, really hammering a workout in their hallway. It was awesome. Uh, or the other day, a lady sent me a picture. She bought XC and she uses it in her closet. Um, she has a TV in her closet. She has a huge closet, and that closet's like her workout room. So she just sent me, you know, here I am in my closet. So I love it when people send photos. It's awesome. It, it, through the mobile app, are you able to track how often people use your product through the mobile app or anything like that? Like, they're using, like, 10% of time, 20% of time, they're you know, you track that. Um, right now, we're, we track calorie, like average calories that are are used, location, like are they using it at home? They self-report all of this, right? So are they using it at home? Are they using it at work? Are they using it on the go? Um, calories, duration, you know, things like that. Um, eventually, we can get a lot. There's a lot you can do on that. So far, what's the craziest place someone has used a product at that, that they've told you? The craziest place. Hmm. You know, I don't know the answer to that question. We have one one um, customer. He's a Paralympic gold medalist, and he probably travels with XC more than anybody I know, even more than I do. And he doesn't have legs, and he uses XC when he's on the road for his traveling. So he probably uses us in the most places. I think um, he just made the world team. He's, we sponsor him, um, you know, so I'm, I'm working on video. We want to do a video with him. But, yeah, no, most, it's like sidelines of the kids' sports. Mm. Um, nowhere too crazy. I used it one time we were on a road trip, and I was pedaling my arms from the front seat, you know, while my husband's driving. So from the point of view, talk about your, your, your perspective on, on startup founders bootstrapping versus raising VC money or angel money. You know, it's an inch. I think it all depends on the company. I mean, if you are trying to build a billion-dollar brand and you're trying to do it really fast, and that's your like your goal, do you only can do that by VC? Maybe not only, but uh, I mean, that's the fastest path to get there, right? So, I think if you're, you know, like sometimes, you know, like let's say you're trying to build a fifty million-dollar company. You know, maybe you can do that with angel financing. Like for us, when I first started XE, I had all intentions of building the billion dollar company, getting VC, doing all of that, just because that's what I knew. That's like what I knew how to do. Um, and then as I started like getting into it and, and figuring out that the reason I'm doing this uh, has so much more to do with who we're serving and no VC in their right mind, nor would I ask them would write me a check knowing that I want to work with all these different populations. They would think I was nuts, right? Go pick one. But, you know, do, you know, joint replacement and focus on that. Do, you know, Parkinson's disease and focus on that. And I just, I, I just couldn't do it. I broke, like for me, I broke all the marketing one-on-one rules. Like that I know that I'm breaking and it sounds ridiculous, but I don't care. <laughs> so I couldn't take VC because I couldn't, I mean, it's like, I, 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 I wouldn't ask, um, you know, so does that mean that we don't have an upside to become a billion dollar brand? I think we do. 
you know. So, and I, I think, like, I wanted to do it my way at my pace. And bootstrapping to me is kind of the only way you can do that, right? Because I don't owe anybody anything. It's it's my it's mine to mess up. Um, and also, like, I take I've never borrowed money from people. I don't like to ask people for money. And so, if I'm going to ask you for money. I'm asking you for money because I know I'm going to return, you know, 10x of what you're, what you're, what I'm asking for. And until I can do that, I'm not asking anybody for money. I can't even name, but didn't the lady who who started Spanx do the same thing? She bootstrapped and she received so like like crazy amount of money recently. Yeah, Yeah, that's why I love. Honestly, I love how I built this with Guy Raz on NPR. Like she's she she did a great. You hear all the crazy stories, right? Right now, so many people you only hear the success, right? And you see people growing and nobody talks about the crap yeah. until they make it, right? And and you have friends. Like I have friends who I lean on. They lean on me. We tell each other what's really going on, you know. And, um, and if you don't have that, like that's the, you know, how you bridge those peaks and valleys. But, um, yeah, no, it's just a, it's a hard process. You always see the, 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 the press release. So-and-so just raised a $20 million B yeah. round. They leave out, you know. They they start like ten years ago. Yeah. They went through two co-founders. Yeah. You know, six products. Blase, yeah. blase, blase. Right. Yeah. Everyone sees the the the, the myth stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk some about the journey of the entrepreneur journey? Like, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm gonna start a company. Six months be Mark Zuckerberg. Six months be whatever. Right. Can you talk about the process and patience you need? I think it's a long haul. You know, minimum of a I would say a seven year effort. Right. So, are you? How long are you willing to do this? I don't. Unless you're completely and absolutely obsessed with it. I, I could see where it'd be very difficult to stay on task, right? It's um, like for me, when I started the whole thing, I had the idea and then I sat on it for a year and I kept coming back to it like every night because my health was going sideways and nobody said anything to me, but I knew my health was going sideways. Um, and I just, every night I'd like, what the, I need to do, I need to do this. And so I think on the entrepreneurial journey, how many times, you know, like, have you told yourself to do it and then you don't and does it keep you up at night? Like that to me was like a starting point of, all right, it's keeping me up at night. I have to do this. Um, yeah, and just I think it's I think sometimes the entrepreneurial journey now having a teenager, it's kind of like being a teenager. Like there's like it's like an emotional roller coaster. You know, your hormones up or hormones are down. You know, you have wins and then you have losses and you just have to be prepared for that. So before you started your Kickstarter, in your mind, you have like, did you did you think your customer professor was was demographic was one demographic, and after Kickstarter finished, you're like, okay, my demographic professor, I come to someone completely different. When I first started the company, I thought it would be busy moms, busy moms like me who don't have time, don't have time, and how do I multitask this into my everyday life? Then, and this is before the Kickstarter, so I broke my leg and got the blood clot. And that it, it became much more focused to me, even before the Kickstarter, that our core audience would absolutely relate to getting an injury and needing to exercise. I think initially, so so Kickstarter kind of validated that, that, you know, I didn't want it to be about about fitness. I didn't want it to be about what your body, t- like of getting in shape and all of those things. Like I wanted it to be about health. And that has been the whole time. Um, I think initially I thought, like I told, talked to you about, like I, the people who are not motivated to exercise. And I think I felt like if I made it so easy, 
right, that they would be motivated to exercise. And I've learned a lot that that's not that's not just not how it works. Um, there are lots of people who just don't care about exercise and that's okay. It's just not a priority. They just, it's deprioritized and that's okay. When you talk about the stats, they're like, like 80% of people don't exercise or 55% and it's like, we're a very sanitary society. We are. We're a very sanitary society. And I think COVID is making that a lot. It's making it worse. And on top of that, we eat like 25 times a day snacking or whatever. We're, we're back in the 1800s, we might eat like yeah. once or twice a day. And Yeah. 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 Um, I think, I mean, the, the weight increase during this pandemic is, we already had a sedentary pandemic before the pandemic. It's worse. We had a physical inactivity pandemic worldwide before the, before COVID. And I actually found myself so incredibly, I just pissed off, I would say, during the pandemic that the media did not focus at all, at all about getting people to move. It was like, you know, binge watch. Okay, let's talk about binge watching and exercising at the same time. And there's nothing, nothing on that. And it, I just, uh, it, yeah. I mean, I think the stats show that pe- most people die from COVID. It's a bad thing. Most of them like, had other like stuff going on, right? Mm-hmm. Overweight, diabetes. Most of yeah. us do. Yeah. You know, over the age of 40 and 50, most of us do. Yeah, yeah I don't think anyone over 40 has perfect health. No. Well, we, it's like we, I, I don't have the number just like, the number of people in just in the U.S. alone who live with a disability is extremely high, right? The number of Americans who live with one chronic health condition, extremely high. Two, three, it's really, really high, you know? And so, I mean, exercise is And this is the people who know they have that stuff. Some people don't even go to the doctor to get anything checked yeah. out, so they have no clue what's wrong yeah. with them. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's, we have a lot of work to do. And even like, you know, if I could change things, even in elementary schools, the number of kids who are not, you know, physically active and. Um, they still do PE school in school, don't they? They do PE okay. in school, you know, and. Of it's, course, it's not as hard to physical as back in our day, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, and during the pandemic, it's like, you know, it's we have to find a way to, to address some of this stuff. How, how does exercise help you with your mental health? Well, it's everything. I mean, from brain fog to uh, the just the evidence around depression, anxiety, um, you know, mental health conditions and what exercise can do to help alleviate and prevent. I mean, it's, you know, I can't, there's no pill that's going to do what exercise does. Is it that, is it going to improve somebody's, like if somebody has severe depression, is it going to make that go away? Absolutely not. You know, they're like, there's working with your doctor to figure out what is the pharmaceutical that coincides, but with a long size, a long side exercise. And I, enough doctors don't prescribe exercise, right? There's not enough information around, you know, medical fitness, if you will, but the science is overwhelming. I mean, it's overwhelming. You cannot get the benefits of exercise in a pill and pharmaceutical companies, you know, they don't like you to exercise, would yeah, you? Of, like of you're gonna eat in your margins. Like of course not. Right? So Yeah, um How how does how does this well, let me ask you this. You have been doing this like for five years, right? Mm-hmm. Is there any time you like, man, this is too hard, I don't want to do this anymore? I don't think I have come to this is hard, I don't wanna do this. I've come to I need to make money. <laughs> like I need to pay myself, you know, and I need to um you know, like I'm, I'm going to be 49 in a couple of weeks and all of a sudden I'm like, just like feel like I'm 20 again on my income, you know, and it's that's a hard thing. It's a really hard thing. I think if 
I think if more founders were like, you know what, I need money because I need to pay myself to make this idea real, right? Like, and so t- so often it's like, yeah, I need to pay my team. And I'm not asking to pay myself like an, a huge salary. I'm going to take half of what I'm worth, but I need to pay myself. I have bills to pay. My team has bills to pay, right? So if that money is in addition to marketing, right, but it's actually paying paying bills. So I do consulting, you know, to help pay by to pay bills. And um and I and I'm okay with that. Now your your background is not in exercise, right? No. Can you talk about it seems in my opinion like it's like a lot of great companies get started by people who have no background in that mm-hmm. demographic, right? Mm-hmm. Can you talk why that seems like it's like something great startup company started by people who have no like no anything to do with the industry they're changing? I, you know, most of the time I've, that I've run into founders, it's more like, hey, I have this problem personally, you know, or my sister or my friend or somebody has this problem personally. And so there's some kind of connection to the problem. Um, even like, let's say with um, with Daryl Cavins and, and Mark Badon when they started Zoo Lily, you know, it's a it's a clothing and and cipher moms, babies and kids. Right. They're not moms. Right. But they're married to moms and they're married and they have children and. So, you know, they created a site, yeah, for moms. And, uh, but, you know, so it's like, do you have to be so connected to it? Does it have to be your personal problem? I don't think so. There's lots of success stories where they don't have to, but I think it, you just have to find, so it's more about, are you insanely passionate about the idea? Because then if you're insanely passionate, you'll find a way, right, to figure it out. What's your take on the, on the current Seattle entrepreneurial, um, um, now I got brain lock, the, the current Seattle entrepreneurial community, like, I love Seattle. I love this community. I think, you know, and um, like I, we did the WTIA had a cohort, a cohort where we participated in, got to work with, you know, startups. So I love that. I think um, there's some, there are amazing initiatives around this town, you know, that you can get involved with and from cocktail parties to networking events to, you know, getting together with people who do hardware, like, I'm not, there's not a lot of people in this town who do hardware, right? So like when I reach out to somebody who has done hardware and I ask them for advice, they call me back. They give me tips. They give me advice. They tell me what events to go to. Um, I think we have one of the best cities in the world to build a company. Any advice from someone like suppose somebody just moved to Seattle, they want to do a startup. Mm-hmm. What advice you have to them like to get involved and what, what should they do with that? I think if I just moved to Seattle, I would start reading GeekWire for sure. I would um, check out WTIA, and then I would look in my local community to see, like, Bellevue, you know, what, like, what's going on in my town, right? What's going on in Bothell? And then connecting with other people, you know, who are doing like-minded things. Schedule meetups, right? Like, especially now, we can meet up again. Like, you know, scheduling meetups is just awesome. And there's a couple, like, um, groups that I belong to, like, they're, you know, where it's like a woman founder based and and I, I like doing that where I can connect with her, but I like to connect with everybody, you know, not just other women entrepreneurs, but because that's just not how the world works, right? So if you're coming, so you're your co-founder and you're two uh, app developers, right? Yeah. Is there any plan to like bring on more people in the future or like for what, what sure. you can? Yeah, for sure. Even on the uh, on the assembly and development and on the manufacturing side, you know, growing that, like we need to, you know, so take that over, so to speak. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. It takes yeah. time to build them. And First, just the money that, that ran out the facility to do it in yeah, really big costs. Yeah. I just, I, you know, neither Mike nor I have this like vision where we have to see our name on the side of the mm-hmm. building. It's just not what we're about, what by any means. And so, um, 
you know, I, I think sometimes people measure the success of a company based on how much money they've raised and how many people they've hired. And it's a I, totally the wrong metric, right? I say revenue is at the top of the list. <laughs> yeah, revenue, <laughs> revenue, revenue, revenue. You know, like we have produced revenue every single month that we started, ever since we did the Kickstarter, you know? And um, is it as high as I'd like it to be? No, right? I want it to be a lot higher, <laughs> you know, but I just have to work harder to get there. Now, what other products do y'all sell? You sell the products besides this one right here, right? We have this one. This is our number one SKU. And um, we have another one that goes on the weight rack. I have another one that doesn't, you know, I, oh, I showed you how that slide opens. We have one that doesn't do that. There are certain applications where somebody might not need that. Um, and then we have, uh, we call it the hang in there pedal. What happens when people lie down and pedal, especially if they're really deconditioned, then their pedal, their foot might fall off the pedal because they're not strong enough to pick their foot up and put it on the pedal. And so a physical therapist might have to hold it on there for them. You know, so we created this, we call the hang in there pedal that you just put your feet on. And then the, we have a heel strap that holds in. And I tell people like, we, it's like bicycling shoes that would do the same exact thing. But if you want to be independent, like putting a cycling shoe on is hard. Clipping out is really hard. You know, so we have our hang in there pedal. We also have this bar that you hold on. We call the hang on bar. And you attach it to this the black material while you're lying down and you hold on to it. And I mean, you take you, it's like doing a bunch of leg presses, just hammering after like that's a really intense workout. I love it. You know, it's not for everybody, but that's another accessory that we have. And then we have a um, we also have a, a, a mobile home phone holder that attaches to the device if you want to look at it like a screen. Is there any plan like like build or make any new products like something totally different from this? I get wild hairs all the time. So I'm actually like, I feel like we have a lot of customers who are in wheelchairs. There are a couple things. It depends on their injury, like their spinal cord injury. I'm I like, we have a solution that I think addresses probably 70% of spinal, spinal cord injuries. That 30% needs help. So I'm committed to figuring that out. When you build the products, do you have to do like any like, like scientific research or medical research to see how it's going to affect people with spinal injuries or whatever you know, the case may be? There's so much that the science is like it's an exercise bike, right? And an upper body ergometer. The science is already there for all exercise bikes, right? So we don't necessarily have to do like new research on, on the medical applications because it's already done. Um, now, like we have uh, like we just had a new a facility they bought 15 bikes and they are creating an entire new project within the hospital. Right now, people, when they have dialysis, the kidney dialysis, they come into a dialysis center, right? And they're there for a long time, like and they're bored because it's, it, you just have to sit there forever. So they're creating an entire program to bring dialysis into people's homes and they're going to pedal XE while they're having dialysis. They're doing the research on the impact of that. What does that do for the patient outcome? You know, what does that do for, does it, um, like they're doing all the research on that. And then we have a couple of universities who are doing their own research on applications of exercise as it relates to disease and certain, um, like Parkinson's disease. Like we know that Parkinson's disease, the more vigorous you can exercise, the better. So like we have one, there's pedaling with your legs, but pedaling with your arms gets your heart rate up faster. It's like this wonderful secret that people don't know. Um, and so, they're doing their own research to figure out, can we get people who have Parkinson's disease get their heart rate up faster, more vigorously with upper body cycling 
right? In addition to what they can maybe do with their legs. So there's, we let the universities and the hospitals do that. When you go like do you like yourself, like different facilities, are you able to say, if you take on this product, your facility is going to increase something by this amount, decrease this amount, things like that? No, you know, right now, I, honestly, like we're, we're probably in about 20 to 25 hospitals at this point. They all find us organically. Mm-hmm. I have not actively sold, proactively okay. reached out to hospitals. I'm actually bringing on a team right now to specifically do that. that. I think that'd be great for you to know. Like yeah. you go to a place, hey, if you yeah. use this product, it's going to you know, increase something by something percent or whatever. You know, yeah. you know, you know what we I'm trying do, to say. What we do have is we do have the science behind what happens if you get them exercising mm-hmm. Right. And getting them outside, like as soon as they start exercising, there's all kinds of things about getting even bed cycling. If we can get somebody cycling in the ICU, how much faster can you get that patient? Exactly. To, exactly. Yeah. 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 The, and the, the extra, the science is already there on that. We're just a different form factor to make it possible. Here's a question for you. Is there any, like any exercise or any like form of exercise or any like um, product that's BS, right? Like uh-huh. one of the things, if you know that one exercise where like you're like, like, like you're doing the ski machine thing like that. Yeah. Like, is there any machine out there that's like is a waste of someone's time? Like, don't do this. I don't think I. You know, I think there are a lot of gimmicks. Um, I think there, are, but gimmicks work. Like, if you're moving more, I'm not as long as you increase your cardio, right? Or yeah, increase your heart I remember rate. when I was. I can't even remember. I, 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 it was since I was married. I bought this thing, and then you sat down on it and you bend backwards, and it's for your abs, right? And I don't the ab doer maybe is what it was called, and. Like, it is ridiculous. But it works. Like, it worked. Like, I felt sore afterwards, you know, but it was boring and I didn't like it. But, um, you know, so I think whatever works for you, you then it's worthy of buying, right? Like, you can't put a price tag on your health. So if you're going to buy something that's going to help you, then whatever. Um, you might not know this, but most, most health is the genetics, right? Mm-hmm. And so someone's predisposed to be overweight or like heart disease. I, I, I'm sure statural exercise will help um, mitigate that, right? Oh, there. I mean, in terms. So for me, I have a genetic pathway of heart disease. I lost my brother when he was 48 from a major catastrophic heart problem. Um, my dad has had two heart attacks in his 50s. Like, just my genetics just do not control me, right? And I mean, it depends on what's going on, but. It, the longer I exercise and the more I take care of myself, whatever my genetics, it's going to be helpful, right? So Mike, my co-founder, takes, in, I mean, he, I, I don't know anybody else who's in better shape than him, right? And he got cancer, right? So just, you can do everything right and you can still get cancer, right? Everything right and still have a heart attack. But like Mike got cancer, right? He was pedaling XC five days after and within I think two weeks he's back on his bike it's ridiculous right because he I mean just took such good care of himself so I I'm not a fan of oh my genetics my genetics so I can't Mm -hmm. do this it's like you know you gotta I see people I I have I have a customer he does he's paralyzed from the waist like from the chest down and I I can't even he sent me a video he lies down on the ground okay I can't even do this. He puts it on his chest and over like one, one side, like one side is like this and he's lying down. Okay. Like this. Seems very uncomfortable. He reaches up and pedals his hands. Like there's just no excuse. I, I mean, I'm telling you the things that I see people do. 
who are seriously dis like just challenges like you wouldn't believe they will do anything to exercise those are my people right i mean i just and then i'll do anything to help right so um yeah i think we have control over a lot of things so what percentage of your customers have like no challenges so to speak or disability versus like someone who doesn't i think nearly all of our customers have some kind of injury right whether it's temporary or permanent um a health condition or disability and and when i talk about like people who have an injury i'm talking about world-class athletes mm -hmm. who have had an injury right and and next thing you know they're like you know torn acl is at the top of the list broken ankles are at the top of the list ankle surgery right so they are active they are, and then next thing you know, they find themselves with an injury, a diagnosis, or a disease. So I'm, I'll ask you for your social media platforms later. Yeah. But what, what social media platforms are you using to help get out the word by XC? Um, YouTube, I think, is our primary. All right. You know, I've done them all. I've done them all, even TikTok. And I'm like, my son's so embarrassed that I'm on TikTok, right? But um, I've done them all, and I cut back severely. Like, way cut back. So YouTube's back. your go-to right now? Yeah. And even... You know, we have a lot of videos on YouTube, um, but I think YouTube is the most effective for us. Um, I don't do hardly any anymore. Mm. I just find them to be a waste of time that don't lead to revenue. And maybe I'm not doing them right, right? But the photographer or the people I would have to hire to do good content on a consistent basis, um, maybe someday, right? When we have a community manager who can manage all of that stuff. But I just... I, you know, I don't, maybe just me personally, like social media, I think it's time we kind of find some other way to engage. Like Discord? Know? I'm hoping. <laughs> so um, you already talked about this before, but can you go to more detail, like really good detail, like why you started a company, what you're focused on now? Sure. And what's, the, what's the, your vision, you and your co-founder's vision for the company moving forward? Sure. So I started the company, you know, because I struggled with exercise personally, and I didn't want to have a heart attack in my 50s. I hurt myself, and XC was the answer to that. What's funny about that is since XC, right, I have torn, um, like, I, I, you know, two times I've torn both hamstrings. I have flown over the handlebars on my mountain bike and hurt my shoulder. Um, I have, I'm my own customer. Like, I am an active person. I get hurt. And you're not slowing down anytime soon, no, I'm not thinking. No, <laughs> Like, the other day, I, f I actually fell walking my dog. My, I have a puppy, and he tripped me. And I swear, I almost blacked out because I thought, oh, he tore, made me tear my hamstring again. And a torn hamstring is not fun. It no, hurts. It takes forever and to like, heal. And it's like a neighbor heal. Oh, it's like forever, right? So, so that's why I started. And, and it, it fits my active lifestyle. Like, I... Just manage to like, I'm an active person. If you're an active person, I ski, I come home and like, you know, so I kind of look at XE. It's so it's a prehab for me at this point, you know, cause I know I'm trying to prevent injury and then I'm trying to recuperate on injury when I have it. So, you know, that's why I started the company. And in terms of where I want to take it, it comes down to, you know, really driving more awareness from the device itself and what we can do you know, and getting more stories and customer stories, you know, to showcase real people with real challenges exercising, you know, with the hope to inspire more people to, to do it. And, um, you know, and, and then we, where we get to a point where the mobile coaching application that goes with it gets really smart 
and gets really smart on recommendations. It gets really smart using data, you know, and right now we are probably the least technological device, you know, out there. And that's by design. Like technology is not always the answer. We've been able to do a lot without tech, right? We do have mobile coaching. We have all of that. But you can do a lot with the device by itself. That doesn't mean that there's not a lot of room for even integration with Apple, you know, Apple Watch and Garmin and these devices to, you know, and get smarter about diseases, you know, is kind of where I'd like to take this, you know. And um, and also, there's absolutely no reason that we don't have XCs in every single hospital, every single one. ICU, there's that, not... That's a pretty big goal. There should not be a cancer, like a place where people are getting chemotherapy without an XC. There shouldn't. Why, why sit in the chemo chair, right, and, 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 and sit there when we know that exercise helps? So, yeah, that's the, you know, it's especially after seeing people who are like my aunt, my aunt in the hospital with, um, like, why not get them moving? It's a disservice not to. Can you more about the app itself? Does the app, does the app provide like personal coaches or like what does the app actually So do? here's how I look at the app right now. It's kind of like watching like old school VHS, did like watching a video, right? So you have your choices. Like we have coaching that's all interval based. They're all short, seven minutes, um, 23 minutes is the longest workout that we have. And it's like a guided workout. And it shows you when to go hard and when to rest. When to go hard and when to rest. I'm a huge fan of interval training. Giant fan. Super efficient. So um, it does that. And then we also have videos that you can follow along. It's me. I've never watched any of my own stuff because it's too embarrassing. Um, you know, and, and I make, you know, I say ridiculous things in these videos sometimes. And it's just to pass the time and have fun. Um and then there's training from physical therapists. So there's no direct connection to the device today. Like, it's not very hard to build a sensor, right? Like, if we need a sensor, if enough people want a sensor, we can do a sensor. It hasn't been a requirement. And if you listen, this is a note for entrepreneurs, everybody, every single person in the beginning, you have to have a sensor. The device has to talk to your phone. No, it doesn't, right? So just because somebody tells you you have to do something doesn't mean anything. Um, yeah, so... The mobile coach can get a lot smarter. Um, how, I, often, I, uh, how, okay. how often do you go skiing? This year, Steve, like for locals, right? Yeah. Steven's Pass was horrible. I bought I bought like a, pa a season's pass. I go up there and the half the mountain's closed. We have like epic snow, epic snow this year, right? And I'm like, and I'm waiting in line forever. So we get up at like 4.30 in the morning. We head up there. We ski for like three or four hours before other people get there. And then we leave. You know, but this year, like, I have not made full use of that pass because I, I just didn't. The mountain was closed. And how long? How far? That's pretty close by here, right? Yeah, it's super close. It's like, you know what, an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And that's like the local ski place people yeah. can go to? Yeah. Um, so why skiing versus snowboarding? Well, I tried snowboarding. So I grew up, when I, I started skiing when I was, like, probably 12, 13 and my friend's dad taught me how to ski, so I know how to ski. And I went snowboarding a couple times, and I spent the entire day on my butt. And I was, I, I'll never forget, we were up at Whistler, and I, I snowboarded through the day. And I was the last run, last run. And I, like, wanted to make it epic. So I go all the way to the top of the mountain. And by the time I was so spent from falling nonstop, <laughs> and by the time, I, I don't even remember, I was maybe halfway down. I sat on the snowboard. 
And I wrote it down sitting on it. I couldn't take it. I was so done. So I just loved to ski. Yeah. I think if I maybe lived where I could ski, like out my backyard, I would probably try to do both. But it's like I only have so much time and I love to ski, you know, so I just ski. What else do you do for fun besides exercise and snowboarding? Um, I mountain bike. I love, I have two anything, dogs. Anything out, outdoors, adventure yeah, stuff, Yeah, if I can stuff. be outside. You know, during I one good habit that I have after during this pandemic is I take my dogs on a walk every day and I have a new puppy. He's seven months old. And um, if I like today, so he he managed to break our fence and I had to lock him in the house without access to the backyard for like two hours. I don't know what I'm coming home to. Yeah, that might be. Oh, it's bad. I don't know. But yeah, something, he, something's going to be chewed up. Yeah, I have a feeling, but hopefully it's not like the couch or something. Um, so I get them out every day. I get them out for like the first year of the panda. I just walked them on a bike trail that I live across the street from. And we do like two miles a day. Um, and then what well, I've lived in the same house for 20 years. And in the last like six months, I discovered we have these amazing trails, like just amazing trails. I'm like, we've lived here for 20 years and Isn't I don't that know. Isn't how that works it's, out? It's whole, right? Like, come on. So um, I do that every day now. And it's steep climbs and I love it. And the dogs love it. So I, I, I do that. And, you know, I try to spend time with friends and family. And, yeah, that's about it. So I'm, I'm, I might already ask you this, but what advice do you have for new entrepreneurs just getting started out? Um, new entrepreneurs, I think surround yourself with as many people as you can who have done it before, you know, and I, so many people are open to mentorships, right? Like of reaching out to somebody and say, Hey, I'm doing this. Uh, you know, would you mentor me through this process? I add I have a guy right now, he is creating a new product and he saw our product and it's for the hospital bed. And so he reached out and I signed his NDA, you know, and I was like, Hey, I'll take a look and let me see how I can help. You know, and so I think I think people should reach out to other people, other entrepreneurs, even like so the bait like um, with XE on this part, this piece, we reached out to somebody who was producing a similar product and he was in London. We love the quality of it, reached out to him. Hey, where do you do this? Where do you have it made? Responsive, told us exactly, you know, gave us a contact, introduced us to a contact. That's who we actually ended up manufacturing you know, that piece through in Taiwan, it would have been really hard for me to find that without yeah, making definitely. that, you know, reach out to as many people, talk to as many people as you can. And then also validate the problem, right? Like talk to people and, um, and get feedback and run ideas by them. And yeah. So I think sometimes people run into this, like they're afraid to talk too much because they might give somebody else the idea or somebody's going to steal their idea. Like, no, nobody has time for that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't realize whatever idea you have, or how great it is, probably at least 20 people across the world have the same idea. Right. You know, talk to people about it. And if somebody can out execute you, you're going to lose anyway. So talk to people about it. What, talk about what's your advice for people finding like good mentors, good advisor people. Cause like, like I said, most people are good, but they're all like scams out there, right? Who like want to charge you money, kind of rip you off. Never pay anybody to be a mentor. That's for sure. Yeah. And I wouldn't give them a piece of your company to be a mentor either. Like, I think you just... You know, read, I read, I obsessively read um, and, you know, I see what other people are doing. And if somebody's doing something interesting, I think you just reach out to them. And I wouldn't say like, oh, please be my mentor. It's like, hey, can we talk? Mm -hmm. And can I tell you what I'm doing? You know, you've done something similar and I love what you've done. Right. And you truly have investigated things that they've done and then asking for advice and tips and, you know, and, and see if it leads to like a long term mentorship. We're talking about this, like people might give you the, the best advice they can, but it's from the own perspective, right? From, yes. Like, can you talk about like, totally. 
it might be great advice, but maybe you still got to put your own spin on it, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's full of advice, right? And I always find that, I mean, even to the, you know, try this, try this, try this. And sometimes you're just like, of course I've done that, right? But, um, but every time it's like, I always listen, you know, and see what kind of ideas people have. And like, you know, the sensor is an example. Like people said we had to put a sensor on it. And so I think sometimes you have to listen, but do your own research and figure out if it is a must have, it's a nice to have. Can you figure out product market fit without it? You know, and do people really need it? And um, yeah, so take the advice for sure, but it doesn't, it's not the end all be all for sure. Yes. Michelle, is there anything else I ask you that I haven't or anything else you want to talk about? You know, I, 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 I think I said this earlier, but whenever people ask me for advice, I try to give the most simple advice possible. And it really like comes down to, and I, I think this depends on like your age, if you don't have children or you're not married. So I guess this is applicable to more to kid, people who are married and have kids. It's just don't mess that up, right? Like just that's your priority. And, uh, you know, and if it, if you can't balance it all, you just have to really think through doing it. I have a lot of friends who got divorced after starting companies, right? Or um, I have friends too who, you know, all of a sudden something's going on with their kids and then they, you know, blame themselves. And it's like, you know, there's just, you just have to find some kind of balance, you know, in some way. When doing it, your startup in a way where you, you know, Unless you're in a bad marriage, right? Then maybe you get a divorce. But, you know, if your marriage is pretty good, you know, then make sure that you prioritize it. So, Michelle, you know, everyone talks about, you know, your entrepreneur, small business owner. I keep on going, grinding it out. Is there a time when someone's like, okay, this isn't my, for me, this is my life. I need to go back to corporate, whatever. One, going back to corporate is not failure, right? For me, I would say I, I actually thought that if I went back and did a consulting work, that it was like I was admitting that I failed. It's not, and not at all, right? It's no, it's just admitting that I need to pay my bills. And so um, I think that if somebody is obsessed, 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 and there's no like proof that there is a, a potential, then you just have to really, really ask yourself if it's, is it you or is it the idea? Right? Is it art? Maybe you're just early, right? Maybe time is a big thing, right? Yeah, timing's everything, right? So maybe you're early. You know, maybe you keep at it on the side or, um, you know, and then get a full time job while you're doing it on the side until the timing works out. You know, so timing is a lot to do with it. For your consulting, I guess you're doing marketing consulting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going pretty good for you, I'm guessing. It's good. I, you know, I, I love it because one, I'm better at it than I've ever been because I've done more and I have done my own company and I can relate to the entrepreneur. And also like when you're doing your own startup, you kind of live and breathe it. And it's hard to like, you don't have as much connection to innovation going on outside of your own company. And so I love it because I get to like, you know, I had one client and they're doing amazing things in the aerospace industry. And all of a sudden I'm super excited about where things are going in aerospace. Right. Or, I have a, or others who are doing interesting things in women's health or, you know, um, diversity and inclusion. Like I get to have pieces of all of that, you know, that I think make me better at XE. And in addition to like, so it's a win-win on both. I, I tell my like companies, I'm like, listen, XE is a company that is funded by revenue and other startups. That's right. Me, like working with companies and then revenue to fund the, the business. So who's your perfect uh, consulting client? Early stage, 
highly disruptive, um, have some budget, you know, that they can like, and they need help with messaging. They need help with content marketing. They need a content marketing plan. They need to figure out what their SEO strategy is. They have a legitimate problem in the, that they're trying to solve that um, SEO can actually help with. And this is not under Buzz Builders. It's like something completely yeah, different. Yeah, I right? still Buzz Builders. Still Buzz Builders. Okay, yeah, right. I don't have a website. Okay. You know, it's kind of word of mouth. And um, it's like, you know, mission driven. It's something that I can get behind and feel passionate about myself. Like, and, um, and, and I don't take on too much. Just, you know, occasional mm-hmm. here and there when I just get super excited about something. And you try about an hour by project, how you do by that? By project. By project? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it's mostly, yeah, by project. I, I don't like doing hourly. I feel like a lawyer. Yeah. You know? And I, I just know how long things take. You know, so I just make an estimate, and I'm always going to over-service, so you don't want the hourly rate. Yeah. So what, what's like a, like a typical project that you do? Um, like, like right now I'm helping one company come in and um, – focus what their b2b messaging is you know creating a new b2b page mm-hmm. you know how are they going to sell their SaaS solution in the market how, how do they talk about it mm-hmm. how do we you know generate leads at the top of the funnel you know what's the process for moving them through the funnel you know to get revenue um what kind of what other pages can they build you know to increase their organic search ranking um kind of videos you know do we need to produce what does that content need to look like creating customer testimonials you know, that's just one example. Can you break down like your time between like the time you spend on XE, time you spend on consulting, and time you spend on like, being like your other role? I think fifty percent, probably. Um, actually, let's say figure it out. I I get sleep. <laughs> I break. I don't break it down. Like I break it down into modes. Modes, okay. I break it down into mom mode. I break it down into work mode, and then I break it down to wife mode, which I'm, you know, sometimes gets the bottom of bottom of the modes, you know, so and if I had to break it, it varies day to day, you know, like today, this is like, you know, where it's an XC time. And, um, you know, later on, I'll make up for it, you know, but I I treat my clients like I treat my own company. Mm -hmm. And I think about them in the middle of the night and wake up ready to do other things and texting, you know, the entrepreneur at like, weird hours (laughs) of the night, like, hey, we need to do this, right? So it's not like you're pretty detailed and organized, right? Have you always been like that? No. <laughs> no, I haven't always been like that. I remember like playing sports. I'd forget my cleats. I'd forget my shin guards. You know, like my mom had to run them over to me. Um, I think when I was in college, I played two sports and I had a choice. Like, well, one, I was told I couldn't do it uh, because playing two sports is really hard. That's, that's pretty insane, especially at college level. It was crazy. Um you know, are they in the same season or at least for the different, different season? So I was in season okay. all year. And, um, you know, they didn't think I could pull that off. And I did it for all, all four years. And I, but uh, the only way they allowed me to do it is that I had to do four study hall longer than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I also had to do more study hall than other people. And that helped me get focused, like prioritize and figuring out what my learning style was and how I break things down. And, um, yeah, so I've become by force of nature during college, I think, and that carried on into my profession. So um, what's a go-to marketing tool everyone should be using? You know, Uber Suggest. Yeah, I know, I know. I follow Neil Patel's podcast. Neil Patel, I think, has the best content out there. Yeah, I follow him a lot. I think Uber Suggest has some wonderful free things that you can use. You know, look at your competitor's website, look mm. at, you know, keywords, look at, it depends if, if SEO is part of your strategy, absolutely at the top of the list. Um, 
you know, I, I, th- I think that's the number one place I would, I would go. Yes. Um, can you give us your social media platforms? Sure. And, and, and whatever you want to have people reach out to you on. Um, so we're on every channel like everybody. And I'm a huge fan of short domains. So www.exe.social instead of .com. It's just exy.social will lead you to all of our social platforms. So that way I don't have to name them off everywhere. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm I'm active on Twitter. I like Twitter. I think Twitter is my probably my platform of choice to communicate with one-on-one. Um, and LinkedIn, you know. Yeah, I need to get more on Twitter. Like, I don't know. I just... It's like Twitter's gear, but there's so much stuff on there, right? So much says. There is. But I know there's a lot of HR people on there, a lot of business people, a lot of businesses yeah. are on there. List. Yeah. Have you ever created a list? Yeah, I've had some lists, yeah. I think the list, the list feature in Twitter. I need, I need to take better advantage of that. Yeah, because then you don't have to pay attention to everything. Yeah. You know, you can just pay attention to the people that you really want to follow and connect with. I need to do um, that. Yeah, so I, I'm Twitter, a fan. Twitter's definitely old school, but it's like everyone's on there. Like, Well, let's see what Elon Musk does with it. I know, right? This would be very interesting, right? <laughs> I think he's fascinating. I do um, too. Yeah. I think the world, the world is a better place for him being around. I think we are living in a time with one of the best, like most inspirational people that will go down in history. Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, where like all of a sudden you're like, hey, I, you know, like, oh, we look back at Albert Einstein, right? We look back at all these people. That's Elon Musk. It is. There's no He's doubt. Fascin- I just, I mean, on like randomly, like the fact that Elon Musk does so much. Sometimes when I was telling you, I felt like me going back and taking, doing consulting was kind of a failure. I'm like Elon Musk, look at what Elon Musk does, right? He is the king of multi, just everything. So, Yes, you can do. You can do more than one startup at a yep. time, right? You can do whatever the heck you want. Of course, being smart helps out a little bit. Oh, heck yeah, right? Yeah, like he's more, I mean, he's just like more than smart, right? Yeah. Just obsessed, beyond obsessed. I'm right? going to watch the show, on, I think, Nat Geo a couple of weeks ago. It was basically, it was following like the first, remember when uh, SpaceX did their first launch of the rockets yeah. and, rockets and they came back and actually landed? Yeah. Following the process, this meetings they had, like people would give him suggestions. He said, have you talked about this, talked about that? Just found on numbers and details and information, how it just goes from like one meeting to, to, to that's all over the place, right? Yeah. Like his brain is like. Can you imagine getting in there, right? My goodness. With what he's doing with like his neuro, like, okay, like, like he has I, to hook that up to himself so you, we can you, see you, what's going you, on. Your IQ just is raised just by being around that guy. Yeah. So um, I can't wait to see. I, I mean, we'll see what happens with Twitter, right? But um, with him, but yeah, I think the world's a better place because he's in it. And, and one thing, like, people don't realize, those interview Elon Musk with someone, I, I think it's like something that happens, Tesla stock and raise, or mm-hmm. basically the week he's like, a, Elon Musk was the number one guy in the world, everything's going like, everything you touch is turning to gold. Yeah. And the guy interviewed said, hey, Elon, man, it must be great to be Elon Musk, how are you feeling? Actually, my life sucks right now. And he explained all the stuff that went into those successes, right? Yeah. The, like, the missleep, the this, yeah. the that, the yeah. problem. He's like, you know, they're not telling like the bullshit problems, right? Yeah. I get that A grade top notch problems, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of brain power to fix those things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he's fascinating, beyond fascinating. That guy, like, you're right. He's like Einstein, Tesla. I mean, all those people, right? We're living and getting to see it. It's crazy. So many people hate on him, which is crazy to me. I trust him more than anybody, any politician that I oh, can yeah. think of. Like, he should, that's another thing, too. Like, we have all these politicians, right? Same politicians run. But like people like Elon Musk, you know, Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. these entrepreneurs who know how to fix things, they never run, right? Yeah. I was reading an article the other day and it was breaking down trust in 2022. And it was really an interesting article. And it was like, who do people trust the most? And and it was media was at the bottom of oh, the yeah, list. No doubt. 
um, and um, politicians were at the bottom of the list with the media and CEOs of companies were actually the most trusted. And, you know, there's some some tough things about that, too. Right. But but I don't know. We have a lot of work to do in the trust department, <laughs> like, especially post pandemic. It's like, I don't know who I trust anymore right now. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so is there anything you want else you want to talk about? No, I think that's it. I think we've okay. covered everything. Now I feel like I need to do this in reverse and ask you all these questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it'd be part two, no doubt. Yeah. Hey, uh, Michelle, thanks for being here today. We oh, appreciate thanks. it. Yeah, thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. Remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up, you've got to pump it up.